Have I got that right? Tell us a little bit yeah. about what you've done. What I've done? Oh, far out. In the past 12 months, it's been a big, big year of learning. But the reality is we started blended employment on, the, it was the 3rd of July. And then two months, it was far out. What have I done? Like, have I made the right decision? And do I, I don't have the guts to do this. Like, am I too junior? Have I, you know, so we sort of say we started on the 15th of September because, you know, almost went broke in the first two and a half months because I was just freaking out, not focused on the job. Yeah. That just, was in 2018, right? Yeah, 2018. Okay. So, um, and then I drew a line in the sand on September 15. I said, look, we had $3,000 in the bank account. I'm like, I'm going to make this happen. Do or die. We're doing it. And then um, that was the day where we turned our business around and went for it. Yeah. It was a big learning curve before that. <laughs> so I guess it'd be interesting just to take it a little bit further back yeah. from where you were last year. Yeah. What was your lead up to starting your business? Tell us a little bit about like, um, you know, the, the, the career that you had before that. Yeah. So I'm a boilermaker and coach bodybuilder by trade. So we were building fire trucks out at originally um, Brendale and then our company Mills Tui went to... Narangbar, so we're one of the only Australian manufacturers left at the time. There's not many that do it, you know, these days. So we're building buses, we're building ambulances, fire trucks, and also mining recovery vehicles, and a few fracking trucks for the coal seam gas market. So we're building them. And then there was about 200 staff at that company when I started, 230. So it wasn't your company? No, okay. no it wasn't our company. Just That's who I did my apprenticeship with. Okay. And um, and then we went to, after that, signed off and I was like, oh, boiler making's not really my jam. So <laughs> I was like, I need a job. And there was a mining down, there was a mining downturn in 2014. So I was like, I can't get a job in the mines. And, you know, that was sort of the golden ticket at the time. You're going to get, you know, phenomenal pay, work big hours, you know, have a good life so that didn't happen I was like I need a job and then we I got like random jobs I worked at light and easy on for two weeks at night wow. in the in the freezers packing meals so I worked um, two hours a week at again faster in the city selling mm-hmm. memberships in Queen Street faster um, not again faster what is it anytime fitness yeah anytime fitness yeah I worked there and and then I worked at a cafe and it was just like random jobs just so like just to get by. Yeah, yeah. And then, Were you living at a home at this time? No. Okay. No, I was still living at home, so life wasn't that bad. I was twenty one. Mm-hmm. And then we went and we started a little juice business. Okay. So we were selling juices at the at the markets, smoothies, called blended um, smoothie bar. Oh. And we were doing that at um, Nunda and also at Castle Nine Markets. And we did it for eight months. And then we're like, well, we need to get into, how can we get out of the markets? And we didn't have enough money to start a shop. So we're like, oh, we'll go and get a juicer and make cold-pressed juice to sell to cafes. Okay. So we went and got a, we're, 20, we're still 21 at the time, and we got a $27,000 juicer financed on a ridiculous finance package. <laughs> Me and my mate, <laughs> who we're doing it with. And then, Did you have any background in juicing or anything like that? No. 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 Was he no. also a boilermaker like yourself? He was a plumber. It was a promise. So two tradies are going into the juicing industry. Yeah, the whole thing was like healthy tradies because um, obviously sometimes tradies get flanked with, you know, being unhealthy, stereotypes and stuff. So our whole spin-off was, you know, tradies getting healthy and the green juice and made us more energy and blah, blah, blah. And that was the pitch. And we got in, I think it was Style Magazine. Um, the other one out, uh, what's the other one? One of the other Bridget magazines. Yeah, yeah, one of the other Bridget, yeah, yeah. One, a couple of them. And then we even ended up in the paper. Okay. We got a, yeah, on the Sunday Mail, like a three-quarter page article. Yeah, sure. So we went around. So you're quite big and obviously quite recognisable. Yeah, there was four. We had 
three casual staff. Okay. And there was two of us. Yeah. So we'd do labouring during the day. Yeah. And then we'd juice at night. And then I'd wake up the next day and drive down the coast and then deliver the juice. Okay. And then we'd go marketing and knock on other cafes' doors and introduce ourselves to try and get more customers. So you're developing a lot of business skills just off this first venture already. Yeah, ones we didn't even know. Okay. You, know, you don't really realise you're learning these skills. You're 21, you're just sort of flying by the seat of your pants. You're just, yeah, you don't really know what you're learning. Was this, was this meant to be like a long-term plan as well? Yeah, this was, my, this was my thing. I was like, we're going to do it. We're yep. gonna, this is going to be huge. And then we were three months in and we realised um, we could have made the product cheaper because it, it was all handmade. Yeah. Like this massive, it goes through like the the fruit and vegetables go through a big shoot and then they get they get minced they get like a big grinders inside grinds it up into pulp and then a 60 ton press presses it and then the juice falls into a tray and then you got to hand pour it and everything so it's very time consuming and we're using glass bottles we weren't buying from the most we weren't buying from the most um not the cheapest but yeah we weren't buying from the you know the best supplier we could buy from they're a little bit more expensive so we had to make a few changes in our pricing to make it more beneficial. Mm-hmm. And then one of the guys doing it with, we were best mates for 13 years. And he's like, thought we were going to be rich overnight. And we weren't. We are only 12 months in. And it was a slug. And he's like, nah, I'm out. I don't want to do it anymore. And what, what year was this by then? That was 2015. Okay, yeah. yeah. 2015. So it was almost to the day where he said, no, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm over it. And yeah. I was like, no way, we've come so far and the lessons we've learned and everything like that. So it's sort of, our relationship was a little bit rocky after that. It's pretty cut to, you know, we just got this juice that we had to pay off. So I was like, far out, how are we going to pay this juicer off? It was a hundred bucks each a week to pay this big loan off. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> no one tells you that when no, you take that loan out. <laughs> no, 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 no. Do you have some sort of agreement or something in place at least? Yeah, we had a partnership agreement. Great. So we just had to split it down. Everything was 50-50. Yep. So, but we lost out on it big time. So we we're paying a hundred bucks each a week. I had to get a job in car sales. I couldn't get a job anywhere. So, cause I had no experience. What about going back to boiler making? Yeah, I just didn't want to do that. Right, so you really were that off it that yeah. you could not even no. do it just as an interim job. Yeah, no. I did one job for the two weeks, like just as a subcontractor, down at Ipswich. At, this guy went to TAFE, his dad's business. And I was, yeah, I just so, just wasn't me. Yeah. So you get back into car sales or not back into Not back into, car yeah, I'd go starting car sales. Yeah, because I got a, sh- I was sick of not getting a job. I was like, I need to get a job. And I got a shirt made saying, I need a job. And I put that on my cover letter and I wore it around. Oh. Yeah, I just needed something to stand out so I could get a job because I was sick of sending out CVs and never hearing anything back. It's an interesting way to do it. Yeah. So how did that go for you? Yes. Yeah, as soon as I did it, I got an interview. Okay. And it was a three-hour interview at Norris Motor Group at Brendale. Okay. And yeah, got the um, got the internship with them. And then I stayed there for 14 months. So it was like... What sort of cars were you selling? Hyundai. Right. Mitsubishi, brand new cars. So you had to learn all about the, had to learn about about the cars. industry. Yeah, yeah, I remember I had this old... 1991 Hyundai that I bought for 1600 bucks that I used to drive around in and in the interview they're like so do you like cars I'm like yeah I drive a Hyundai right now I love it but this car's like as old as me <laughs> so you're not a cars guy you're not a juice guy by the way how long did it take you to eventually pay off that debt 12 months 12 months okay. after we stopped the juicing okay right and we sold the juice for 14 grand 
Wow. Along with all the utensils. That's a loss then. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you ever look back on that time and you think, well, we could have done this differently or was yeah, it like just a case of the partnership just wasn't right or what would you have done differently to sort of um, have sustained that business a little bit better? Yeah, we would have cut, cut back on prices. We would have been more smarter in that regard and also do things you're passionate about. Yeah. Like it's a... That's like, I'm very passionate about, you know, a lot of things, but if you're going to go for something and money's on the line, you can't do stuff half, yeah. you know, half in and half out. Yeah. But we're going to do it right this time. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you've been working, um, in recruitment for a while just before you started blended. Yeah. One year and 11 months. One year and 11 months. Yeah. Okay. So you went from car sales into recruitment. Yeah. How much of a jump was that? Yeah. It was because now you're selling people rather than cars. Yeah, you're selling people, and you know when you're in a car, when you're in a car yard, all your customers come to you. When you're in, you know, recruitment agencies, no customers come to you. Mm-hmm. You have to go and find them. Then you have to find the people, and it's all outbound. And that was all built up before I got into the job. Like I thought that was going to be scary. You right. know, through the interview process, it's like, you know, what would you do to get business if no one came to you? And you're like, wow. Call them. <laughs> yeah. I was a bit overwhelmed. And then you get in the swing of things and cold calling or whatever. It's not that much of a big deal anymore. You'd have also brought a lot of the experience that you had from doing your juice, um, spreading your juice around Brisbane um, and brought those sort of strategies into um, your recruitment. Yeah, I think that's what's happened now in our business now. Um, it's a little bit different working for someone else. But because um, they have their way of doing things. You know, they've been in the industry for many years. They're, you know, great recruiters in their own right. So you've sort of, you're a fish out of water. So you don't really want to step onto anyone's toes. So I just did what, what they did. But I think now with blended employment, we've got the free reign where we can do whatever we want. We can be that hundredth cow every day. And that's when we brought everything back. It feels natural. Like, you know, we're getting, even just from a handwritten letters, like the people who have gone back to us are just insane. Or yeah. Like yeah. Dressing up in safari outfits. I think that's very interesting because um, I, I, I see, obviously have you on LinkedIn. I see yeah. a lot of stuff that you're doing every day. You have this really interesting content strategy where you're pumping out something yourself and the other guys that work with you. Um, they're pumping out content every single day. So how, how hard is it to, to, to come up with something, to come up with new ideas? To Do you have a strategy around that? Or is it sort of just like, this is what you do when you work with blended and just come up with whatever you can every single day. Yeah. So we, I don't have a business plan. I don't have a content plan. I don't have, um, like, like we have a vision for the business. Obviously, you know, we know where we want to go, but it's not like this structured thing where we're like, all right, these are our posts for the next month. Let's spend Tuesday and Thursday creating content for the next six weeks. It's not that it's what, whatever we feel in the morning, whatever we learn. And it's not a, it's, because like you've got to have, everyone has their core business. We look at our business as we are 51% marketing, 49% business. Because you have to be marketing and sell yourself. But if you, and people go, well, you know, you've got to be 80% marketing. Well, no, you don't. If you market the hell out of your business and you can't back it up with your service or product offering, then you're going to fall over. So that's why we keep it a fine balance between both. And it's really 15 minutes in the morning, 30 minutes. That's oh, it. Really? Is that just, yeah. That's how long it takes. That's how long it takes. It's from the heart. It's real. What's happening? It's in the papers. It's stuff that's happened in our business. So we're not making it up. It's the reality of what goes on. Yeah. Yeah. So there's not really much to think about. 
And is that something that you also use to attract um, potential staff in, or is it stuff that they already know and they come to you going, hey, I want to be part of this journey with you guys? Yeah, like at the start when no one knows you and no one respects you and no one cares about you, it's pretty hard to try and you know get something off the ground. But now we're building and you know we've got more staff, we've got key people in the business that we got it wrong in the start. Um, so now it's fine-tuning that and everyone is their own thing. Like Manisha, for example, she came here from India with no experience in recruitment. She's got two degrees and an MBA. She's 27. She got got offered a um, an internship with Wipro after uni. She rejected and went and worked at her dad's business for five years. Uh, she started her own YouTube following of 18,000 subscribers. Wow. So, and she's come in with no experience but passion. And she talks about everything that she goes through in starting a new country. Everything's new to her. That's her thing. I can't do that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not Indian. I'm not in a new country. I don't have amazing degrees. I don't have a YouTube channel. Yeah. I don't have any anything like that. We've got Ephraim on the other side of the, the spectrum. He's Aboriginal Samoan. He was a he was a chippy before this. He's done, you know, face to face, door to door sales. He's he can't talk about what Manisha can talk about. Manisha can't talk what he can talk about. They can't talk what I can talk about. Everyone builds up their own own person and own persona because it's about them. It's about building their personal brand and them being themselves. Like the other day, Ephraim got a personal letter from the Deputy Prime Minister of Australia. That's awesome. Yeah, talking to him about, because he wrote to him, congratulating him on his um, re-election and you know, wishing him all the best. And you know, this is what we're doing in small business and yeah. we'd love to ever have you for a coffee. And a month later, he got back to him with an embossed, you know, government symbol and it was handwritten from him and it's young Australians like you that give us hope and belief and, you know, wish you all the best with blended employment. I hope our paths cross when I'm in Brisbane next. You also got a letter from the government house recently? Yeah, from the governor. Yeah. So just about us contacting him. So it's, um, it's amazing the people that if you put it out there, the, the people that, and you put it out in the right message and from the heart, people can feel it. I like that. Yeah. Um, one of the first times I sort of took notice of who you were was um, just for a bit of background. Um, we're both part of the Brisbane Junior Chamber of Commerce. Yeah. Um, so I had heard about you just through that, and then when I really started note- taking note of who you were was, um, I think you had done an interview on Sky News. Yeah. With um, uh, Peter Credlin and Alan Jones. Yeah. Um, just tell us a little bit more about um, what went into that, and you know the experience that you got out of yeah. being on such a, a huge platform. So small business. Yeah, in six months. Um, that was awesome because we, like, we're obviously, I watch the show and each week and he's done amazing things. And, but he started out on working on a dairy farm, his parents' dairy farm, and, you know, progressed through to coach one of the greatest Wallaby teams ever in history. He used to write speeches for prime ministers. And I said, oh, imagine if we wrote him a letter. And I was like, yeah, all right, I'll do it. And we wrote him a letter and we said, look, you know, we really appreciate your show. You have so many amazing guests, but when do you ever have an ordinary young Australian just giving it a crack on your show? We'd love the opportunity to be on it. And I sent him, I didn't put my business card in the envelope. I just forgot and sent it off. And then he sent us a letter back. He's like, look, we'd love to have you on the show on 4BC and 2BC, 4BC and 2GB radio. They were like one of the biggest radio stations in... It's the top listening radio station in Sydney. Yeah, they're massive. Yeah. yeah. Macquarie Media. And then he got back to us via letter. He's like, yeah, that was on... The letter replied to us on Tuesday. He received the letter a week before and he we got the letter a week later. 
And then it was Thursday, the producer, a producer, yeah, he's like, we want you on the show. We sent him back an email with our details. The producer called us the next day and then we were on the radio the following morning at 7 a.m. It's a quick turnaround. Yeah, it was real quick. And then for four and a half minutes, I was on the radio talking to him and then I was about to hang up the phone after the interview and the producer's like, wait, wait, we, they want you on Sky News next week. Can you go to the Brisbane studio? Wow. I'm like, whoa. And it was like the You're phone. for that. No way. Like I'd never done, never been on TV, never been on radio. I'd never had any experience doing this and I was like freaking out. Had you written to any other media outlets um, to try and, you know, talk to Yeah, so each day, public? like each day we'll pick someone new. So everyone will write to someone different, whether okay. it be a politician, uh, someone who's achieved amazing things, or a media outlet, whether it be radio, TV, um, podcasts, anything like that, yeah. that we think would, um, with people that gives us you know, interest or motivation. Yeah. You can't just write, because not, not every letter's different, and it's tailored to that person and what we feel at the time. Like We don't keep copies of the letter, we don't pump out the same ones because then it wouldn't be authentic and people wouldn't get back to us. No, absolutely, and, and writing, letter writing almost is a lost art these days. So Correct. I think people really appreciate the fact that they've re they received something that's personalized themselves yeah. and really shows that you took the time to, um, to know them and actually do the extra effort to reach out rather than just sending a generic email or yeah. you know, Instagram DM or however people communicate. I think, I think it really shows. And you can't, you can't buy what happened with Alan Jones. You can't buy a segment. No money could get you on Sky News at eight o'clock or seven thirty at night. No money could put you on four, like four BC or two GB radio at seven AM on the drive to work. Like you couldn't pay to have advertising space. So what exactly were you talking to Alan Jones about? The struggles of business. Okay. Like how hard it is to start a business. The responsibility of employing staff. That's all on the employer. Okay. No responsibility on employees. Yeah. They were um, talking about that. They were they really promoted our business, like asked us how it works, what we did, what makes us different, why we got into it, what's the what's the plans with the business. Yeah. And do you guys do anything different in your business that you told them about? Yeah. That makes you different from other recruitment agencies? Yeah, definitely. I think the biggest part is, it may sound like, not cliche, but the way we communicate. Like there's never a case that candidates aren't getting back to. There's never a case that, like companies getting represented poorly because that's a lot of thing that people forget about when you are having a supplier how are they representing your business to the market are they treating the candidates well are they giving them the right information or are they you know running them around and not getting back to them yeah awesome. also it's very like we don't there's no contracts so we don't lock them into anything so it gives them freedom it gives them choice and we're able to be an extension of their business that they wouldn't have otherwise yeah, yeah. I'm going to get a little bit more into the ins and outs of yeah. recruitment a bit later on. Um, another thing as well is that you're very passionate about small business. Yeah. Um, for a while you were, or oh, I don't know if you're, you're still ongoing with the Small Business Matters campaign. Um, can you just give me a brief overview about what exactly that yeah. is? So small business is big business and without small business there would be no business. Okay. That's our, that was our, that's our punchline. Right. And that was, our, that's, we always do a PS at the end of every letter and that's usually the one we use. So if anyone's listening, but, um, <laughs> but I think small business is the backbone of our country. Like something like 60 or 70% of people are employed by small business and to have going into small business, I've had the least amount of support from people. Um, it's the hardest thing we've ever done. It's the hardest thing you do every day. The amount of energy it takes, the toll it takes on relationships, the friends you don't see working late nights, like 
it's just a compounding effect and I think more people need to be drawn into the fact of how important small business is like we're so hyped up in the success of big business and what they've done yet everyone forgets about the small business if everyone promoted small business the way they promoted you know Nike Apple Beyonce <laughs> Jay-Z you know all these incredible Water brands don't say anything bad about Beyonce because they will jump on you yeah yeah true <laughs> but like you know they're, they're and there's a reason why people love them because they're so amazing. What they've achieved is absolutely incredible. Yeah. But they all started like this. And that's why they have the buy-in. And yeah. I think that's amazing. But why don't we, like, there was days when they started in their career when they had no support. In that regard as well, you also use your past business experience to, to educate other people as well. Do you think we're missing that um, in Australia? Oh, yeah. This is, this part gets me fired up. Well, we can, you know, everyone's, when you like say everyone's a coach these days right but no one wants to say well, like how do you become a business coach how do you become a life coach like and especially business they're paying coaches for these courses they're yeah. paying for these they're paying for these courses they're going to these pump up rah rah rahs and it's people who've never run a business before becoming business yeah, coaches yeah and it's like their money's not on the line who's <laughs> going to be next to you when the bank manager goes hey mate well you can you're going to walk on for coals we're going to walk on coals for me now like mm. it's they're not there it's everyone's on a hope bus they're hoping it's going to happen like we did a blog the other day about coffee how what's your coffee worth when you're catching up for a coffee are you actually catching up for an outcome or are you catching up there to shoot the breeze and say how great you are and what you're going to do and this is going to happen when reality is you're just wasting time you, we don't, you don't have time for coffees when your back's against the wall you're, you're paying wages you're, you're paying rent you've you got bills coming in you got pressures from outside like if you're really in the thick of it, you don't have time for that. And that's why I think a lot of people are getting taken advantage of and a lot of people that I know, I would. it's an insult to a business owner if you're giving them advice and you're not paying for their mistakes. What do you mean by not paying for their mistakes? Well, you're just giving advice and they're the one paying the bill. Okay. If so you've you... never done it. It's like, I'm going to show you how to become a bodybuilder, but I've never been to gym. That's pretty weird. But in business, we accept it as normal. Right, right. I've had friends, like close friends, lose thousands of dollars, like $7,000. And when you're in small, I can't lose $7,000. No, absolutely not. And that's just being wasted and taken advantage of by people who know what they're doing. So what do you think about the new age of guys like Gary Vee or Tony Robbins, um, all these big sort of business slash life coaches who are telling you, just go out there, just do what you need to do. Do you support that sort of stuff or... Are you a little bit hesitant of their content and what they're putting out? Yeah, I think, I think, I don't really get too much caught up in it, but I find it very hard for... Grant Cardone's another one as well. Grant Cardone, yeah. yeah. Like some of the information, yeah, is, is great, but in what context? Like Gary Vee chucks out, I need to make a hundred pieces of content. You'll be broke, brother, if you're a small <laughs> business making a hundred pieces of content. You need to be, when you have no money and you start a business like what we've been through in a one-person office and you need to get out and sell, you've got to go door knocking, you've got to cold call. We don't have a marketing budget. Mm -hmm. You have to be innovative. We can't create 100 pieces of content a day. That's insane. But he'll tell you that it's really cheap and it's reliable because you've just got Instagram and that's all you need. And he'll hold up his phone. And I'm not you know, critiquing him by any way, but just from what I've heard, he holds up his phone and goes, this is your marketing budget right here and it's free. As long as you have access to the internet, you can create all that. It is, and yeah, that's what we've done. But it depends what in context it is. So do you think that there are specific 
um, business codes for specific industries and things like that. I listen to, yeah, I listen to one person in business. Right. And he, his name's Steve, and he started his business um, 29 years ago with $10.82. And he's self-made, no investors, no nothing. He's got a, it was called Chefs on the Run, a chefing recruitment agency back in the 90s. He's debated prime ministers. He's, you know, had more media, free media than anyone else. Big marketing companies that tried to understand how he did it. And it comes from passion and belief in what you, in what you want to do. And the reality is he's, he gives advice to various different businesses, but it's, it's hard to take someone's advice sometimes because you have to be honest with yourself. So when the biggest thing with Tony Robbins is he'll go to a show, he'll have, you know, pump up these thousand people. They're all going to business the next day and he's on his jet, private jet going back to America, cashing in. With that, um, I was going to talk about um, also your, um, your, your blending business yeah. uh, programs, sharing knowledge and, uh, and um, um, the weekly sessions that you're doing. Um, what is the goal that you're trying to do, that you're trying to achieve with uh, blending business and yeah. how does it relate to the, the overall vision that you see for blended employment? Yeah, so we we started blending business for with because like I said, the first two months in business was pretty bad. It was pretty miserable. It was up and down. There was so much self doubt. It was so much criticizing, comparing myself to others, and you think you're the only one going through the same thing. And then we go, oh, why don't we do a blending business thing? I couldn't talk. In, I couldn't hold a meeting. I couldn't talk in front of a boardroom. I couldn't do a lot of those things when when I started, and having people come the first night four people came and then we did it again and it was about consistency because even in that own little ecosystem that we created at blending business the the people drop off they give up people progress people retreat people have great ideas it's so up and down but we were there every week it was free it was every tuesday night for an hour some nights i think the most we had was 24 the least we had was four and it proved to us not only increased our awareness around what other people are going through and gave people a platform and kept them accountable but also for us to be able to learn those skills of holding a meeting running an event speaking in front of a crowd getting people to present all those different skills that you you don't learn i didn't learn i didn't know how to do any of that stuff i was freaking out the first night i did it i was like fire out who's going to come i chucked it up on meetup yeah and and then it grew and then we were marketing it and it was going quite well and the goal was to do it for 52 weeks straight i've never committed to anything i couldn't even <laughs> do an eight-week challenge you know wow and so, you're a personal trainer at some point oh no i mean just like sign up to an eight-week challenge and stick it out you know oh, you just right, sort of get right. over it yeah you know, i'm just eating chicken and rice and uh, you know deficit deficit calories and training <laughs> six days a week and and then you just move on and try something different and then you realize you're doing something different, but you're in the same place. So we wanted it to, for not only our progression and to show consistency and prove if we stick things out, we can keep going, but also for other people to share in our journey. And a lot of the time it was me putting myself down and explaining, hey, this is what I'm going through, this is what I'm struggling with, to get the room involved. And then the conversation starts flowing because I was actually going to events and it's no different to Tony Robbins. You have this one speaker up the front giving their view. Most of the time they got no credibility. And you don't actually talk to anyone. You just sit there and listen to this front person speak for an hour. You don't get to exchange ideas. And then you leave. Yeah. So that's why we started Blending Business because I was sick of going to these events where it's just one person's view. I said, why don't we have everyone's view? Aren't we all going through this together? And what sort of people were you getting turning up to Blending Business? 
we're getting people that run sort of you know companies with sort of three to five staff we're getting people that wanted to start in business we're getting people that just are consultants and they've only just started themselves there's sort of a lot of small businesses going through the same thing at the same stage Mm -hmm. what happens if blended becomes a big enough business how will you still be able to support the whole small business matters concept that you've got or small businesses big business yeah we'll always be a small business at heart right how do you maintain that well, for example, whoever comes into our business, they all get taken back to that first little office where it started. Okay. And realize where we came from. Right. And realize, because I think business is about ingredients and about recipes. And if you get off the recipe, that's when everything goes on off track. Hmm. And I've learned more in the last three days in business than I have in 12 months just by that. Because even the stuff with Alan Jones, I was like, we're done, we're set, we've made it. Yeah. Yeah. And then the next day... You get it like a phone was ringing off tap. We had six jobs come in just from people calling us, and yeah. I'm like, "Wow, this is this is amazing. We've made We've it. We've made it." Yeah. And, um, and then Scroggs is like, "Mate, you're six months into your business. How about you just quite pipe down and you got to go again?" And then the next day you're back cold calling, getting rejected. No one knows you. Yeah. And the next day you're out at some industrial park door knocking, trying to sell your business, and no one cares about. And then, but you just have to keep going. And that's what blending business was all about and realizing that we're always going to have that, that small business. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if you can hang on to that and realize that and have, we, our policy at work is egos equal empty pockets. Egos, we hate egos that just don't fly. So you have to humble yourself at all times. Yeah. Okay. But now it's like, have you always been like that or do you think it's your past business experience and what's happened that's made you the way you are? Yeah. Oh, I think, um, I had an ego when I was in recruitment. You, you're like you with your mates, you're making more money than you ever have. Like you're like, yeah, this is sick. You're like you're training, you're, you know, you just get into this little ecosystem where life is not a facade, but it's yeah. And then you realize, like being humble, people raise you up. They want to be around you. Mm-hmm. They want they want to see you succeed. Like everyone loves the underdog. Backs against the wall. We have to make money in the first month, otherwise we went down. So. It's, it's just who I am now. You couldn't, you couldn't fake all this. What sort of clients are you, are you um, working with primarily? They range from, we do a lot of work in technical sales. So okay. like valve suppliers, they do hydraulic seals. Um, one of our clients, Atco, they do all demandable buildings for large uh, mining camps, site offices for constructions, modular schools. Other guys do technology, telecommunications. So it's a range of clientele that you've got. Yeah, it's a huge with. range. Yeah. yeah okay. Um, when it comes, obviously there's a difference between the guys and more industrial. Do you find yep. that the way that you approach and you deal with these guys is very different to, um, you know, when you're working with your inner city sort of client as well? Yeah, very much so. Yeah. So, because you're like, yeah, I'm a boilermaker and one of my clients is like, mate, you look like a receptionist. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you can't even draw on that past experience to... Yeah, I draw on that past experience. You get a bit of street cred when, you know, they're, they're chatting you and you're like, yeah, look, I'm a boilermaker. I know yeah. what it's about. We're welding manifolds and, you know putting valves in and doing this and TIG welding that and they're mm. like you know like oh yeah, that's cool because recruitment's got a bad name you know people have been burnt for yeah that's years. something I didn't want to bring up straight away but um, how do you like how does how do you try and sort of circumvent all that yeah I mean one of our clients last night who we brought to the event he goes I get I hate asking I hate people like so what makes you different and I just blurted out one day to this new client I was like I'm honest and I won't screw you yeah 
And he's like, sweet, can you come down tomorrow? But doesn't everyone say that? No. You know, it's, it's a bit of a cliche. Yeah, but it's just the way I authentic said it. It just blurted out. I've never said that before. I just get sick of people asking what makes you different. And I think the way the way we market ourselves, the way we expose our business, like our door is swung open. Like we're in a, we had three people in a two-person office and we're giving you a tour, a grand tour of blended employment. I did like a 360-degree spin. And I could probably <laughs> almost touch the, either side of the wall with my hands. Yeah, yeah. And so people realize that and we get a lot more buy-in because it's authentic and you can say we call ourselves a people's company right because we're bringing people together putting people first i love that yeah that's the people's our, person, that's our people person yeah that's on our business cards that's yeah. that's everything there's no titles in the office there's no hierarchy right yet everyone knows the ecosystem and respects each other okay but everything's team focused so whether it be like in our first year, we got three and a half million views on our Seek ads. We got 100,000 views on LinkedIn two weeks ago just from our content. So it's been it's been authentic and true and that's so lost these days. Mm-hmm. So that's how we differentiate ourselves. Awesome, man. And last night you were actually part of the Young Entrepreneur Awards in yeah, Brisbane. with Business News Australia. Yeah, with Business News Australia. Um, how was that to be recognized in your first year of business? Yeah, it was crazy. I couldn't even believe it. You didn't expect like, it? No, did not expect it. Yeah. I was like, far out. It's quite a formidable crowd of, of nominees. Yeah, like there was the Go list, Yeah, like. Go One. There was um, there were some big companies there that disrupt digital that we've been around for a long time, yeah. and all Brisbane startups. And it's like far out because you sort of you run your own race. You like I was comparing myself to people all the time that were ten years ahead, five years ahead, and thinking, oh, we suck. We got nothing and. That was all the thoughts going through my head. Never shared it. But with last night, it was like, oh, wow. You know, maybe what we have achieved is is worthy. Yeah, yeah. Did you manage months. to talk to some people and sort of pick up a few um, ideas from just being among that set of people? Yeah, it sort of motivated you more. Okay. But on the same token, you can build people up more than what they are. They are just people. At the end of the day, everyone puts their trousers on one one leg at a time as well yeah they're just people like yeah like you're expecting to meet someone that's like this multi-millionaire like so-called killing it mm-hmm. and you know just amazing and then you meet him like hey how are you having a good night <laughs> you're like yeah good like we do the same thing <laughs> we do the same thing you know yeah, yeah i think the part that was the kicker for me was like because recruitment's got such a bad name and all you have to do is get on the phone and call people and tell you from a recruitment agency don't even say your name and um, they just go, yeah, I'm from a recruitment agency. Like, you'll know what I mean. And the fact that we were the only recruitment agency in Brisbane to be nominated in our first 12 months in business, I think that's like credit to us. Like, we won. That's awesome, man. Even though we didn't win the award, we we won for being there. Is there a big award that you're gunning for? One, one maybe outside of business or something like that? Is it a particular thing? Yeah, so Seek Awards, they're like the big industry awards. Right. So if we get small recruitment agency of the year, that'll just be like the cherry on top. Yeah. Or most innovative for for marketing. That'd be pretty good. I think you guys have a pretty good chance for doing that. Yeah, just, keep, just keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> just, just keep doing what you're doing, honestly. Yeah. No, it's so interesting. Your, your content's so personable. And going back to, to what we said earlier, it's just, I think it's exactly what we need to be saying that, you know, you practice what you preach, you you are a small business, you represent small business, and um, you, you, you don't make your whole business all about the marketing, but you also deliver on the service as well. Yeah, so, you have to, otherwise you wouldn't have a business. No, absolutely not. So no, I think I think you're doing pretty well what you're doing. 
Cause, yeah, it's so easy to get off the core. That's what everyone does, you know. They get so pumped up about the marketing, and it's happened to us. Like, yeah. we've had some bombed out months because we're like, fire out. We got like getting views. We got letters coming back from people. We've been on ABC Radio. We got articles for channels. We got oh, well, Channel Seven News through the BJCC yeah. because of Nathan. Um, and then we're getting on like, an article in the Courier Mail last year, like, and it's like, whoa, like all this cool stuff's happening. Sometimes you can get a bit caught up in it and realize, hey. How many calls have we made today? What interviews are happening? Like, it's you've got to bring yourself back to that. Yeah. And now we've got because you've got to have rules, routines, and standards, and that's what we um, have to live our business by. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So, what are the sort of three things that candidates can do to make themselves as attractive as possible, either um, on CV or just you know when it comes to reaching out to apply for a job? Yeah. Um, apply for jobs that you know what you're talking about. Okay. Don't lie. Don't fake things. Go for jobs that align to you. Get your LinkedIn profile done up. Like, do things that are actually actually adding value to your repertoire. Like, just flicking over a CV is so gone these days. So, I think you need to be a like a part of any industry organisations. You need to be doing videos, documenting your work, creating your LinkedIn to actually example what you've done because it's true and honest. The cover letters still matter. No, you don't think so. <laughs> no, it's like you're only going to write your best stuff about you. And I think it's we still include them in the candidate profiles that we put forward, but most of the time you need to you need to stand out. You need things that are going to stand out. And if you're writing that you're, you know, you're consistent, you're a high achiever, and you've Everyone's got excellent communication that. skills, like I think the greatest thing you should do is have a two-page CV, have a document your whole career on LinkedIn, whether people like it or not, it's still relevant to the industry you're going for, um, and then also put a photo on your CV. Because like if you're just applying through jobs through CVs and it's just black and white, like you got a white page with black writing, everyone says the same thing, everyone's probably got the same little blurb, just keep it really short and simple, put a photo of you on there and if you're changing industries then get creative. Why is a photo important? Well you want to be able to look at the CV and realise, hey this person looks nice, like I can see. Do you think it might be a bit um, controversial, especially when people say it might be discriminatory? You know, people judging, oh, well, you can go both like ways. A, you don't look like a nice person, so I won't hire you, but you might be, you know. Yeah, yeah, that goes both ways. Yeah. You can say that about everything. You can say that about names. Like, people don't get hired with names. Seek mm. brought out a new feature that gets rid of people's names, so you can delete their names and okay. purely look at their experience. Awesome. I think it's really good. Yeah. Yeah. I think somebody did a bit of research um, maybe a year or two ago, just seeing that um, certain names, um, especially anglicized names, get a lot more callback and a mm. lot more response than, you know, maybe more ethnic names and yeah. things like that. One of my mates changed his name. Really? On his CV, faked his name because he was not getting any interviews. Wow. wow. Changed it to Sam instead of like... Whatever his name was. Whatever his name was. Yeah. So how can we sort of combat that? Just education. Yeah. And the biggest thing when standing, like clean up your social media. We look at Facebook, we look at Instagram, we look at Twitter, and people get, don't get jobs because of it. Like you can tell us whatever you want, but if you got to, if yeah, if you've got if you're abusing people online or you're like, yeah, this is sick. I'm on you know Facebook at, while I'm at work. All oh, like, right. All those little things. Uh, that's what I'd be doing. Okay. Clean up your Facebook. 
I think it's it's been very well documented about people just you know absolutely screwing themselves over because they haven't bothered to delete that photo from that big night out you know yeah. three, four years ago where yeah. they've absolutely or lost even it. like silly videos where they're paying people out on social media oh, wow. and like even I know people that it's who they are on Instagram is completely different to who they are on LinkedIn and then you meet them in person they're completely different on in yeah. person. But some people would say, well, just live your authentic life. And, you know, if they really like you, they'll, they'll hire you for the job. Because, you know, you never know. The, uh, the managing director or your new manager might want to have somebody who parties like you do. Because he also does that on the weekend, you know? Yeah. Don't think so. No, don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> no definitely not. No, no, no. I'm just, I'm just living on Twitter. And if that's they what don't it is. like me, then it's not for me. Yeah, exactly. If you can't yeah. handle me at my Apple worst, worst, you don't deserve me at my best. best. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. Hey, just finally as well, you've also um, just announced that you've got a new podcast coming out yeah. called uh, Balls of Business. So yeah. um, what's what's that all about? So Why are you jumping into this ring with us? Yeah, we're just going to give a red hot crack. Yeah. It's, so we did the blending business for 52 weeks and then we need a new project. So it's going to be Balls of Business where I'm the young calf and then Scroggsy's the old bull. Who so, is Scroggsy? So he's, um, we met eight years ago through mm-hmm. my mate who he did the juicing with. And then he's become a big figure in my life ever since then. We're best mates now. He's 58. But he's, um, he's done a lot throughout his life and you know, just one of the most caring, nicest people I've ever done. And he's, so he's going to be talking about the difference, like what's changed in business, has anything changed. We, I think a lot of our, I think what we do is quite old school, like the letter writing, the getting back to people, treating people with respect, even if there is a candidate that we couldn't place in a job in a million years then they still have a half an hour interview with us. We still give them the time. We call everyone back to thank them just for interviewing with us. And all these things aren't done with a computer. Yeah. But it's being able to talk about old-fashioned values and then we're hopefully going to have, well, we definitely will have different people, whether it be in business or politics or whatever, coming on the show Yeah. and just having real chat because I think there's so much fake. There's so much fake out there. Yeah. <laughs> it's all BS. Like, everyone paints this picture. Everyone paints that they're they're doing so well like they're tilted up to their eyeballs in debt yeah they borrowed heaps of money to start their business they oh. don't want to tell anyone the struggle yeah they don't want to tell anyone that yeah i sucked it when i started a business i didn't make any money like everyone thinks you're rich if you get an abn and you have an office like it's not that hard to get an office not an abn so I th- we're just gonna have a chat about real stuff and um and see where it goes and obviously you just bring your experiences as well into it yeah and and what we've experienced now yeah okay yeah awesome awesome um definitely make sure to give that a plug when it comes out so i'm I'm excited to see and hear all about it i'm definitely enjoying the whole idea of you know people in brisbane creating content and you know doing business 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 stuff and you know just talk to different types of people, which is what I've tried to do with, um, you know, this, this platform as well. Yeah, I think so, this is awesome. This is going to be great. Yeah, thank you. So, um, yeah. Declan, thank you so much for coming on, man. No it's been really fun. Uh, hey, on a lighter note, um, what's something that people don't know about you as well? Oh, far out. What don't they know about me? That's a surprise question. I just thought I'd spring on you there. Yeah, that is crazy. Yeah, I don't know how much people it. know about me already. You're in the pub. You've got to really pitch yourself to somebody and they're like, well, why... Well, obviously they'll say, why should I work with you? But yeah. you've got to think about something that's going to really make you stand out and make you really exciting. Man, look at, yeah, the pressure's on. Yeah, think about it. I'll tell everyone, he used to be a Vivian's model. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there you go. Nah. There's a trip down memory. Maybe there's something else that you, you, you have really exciting about yourself as well. Oh, 
I don't know. I don't think that much of myself compared to what um, people think of me. But I've never been stumped before. Um, <laughs> I still get nervous everything I do. Okay. Yeah. No, no, that's interesting. I think I remember you said that just before we started as well. Yeah. Which is really hard because you're just, you seem so natural and confident in front of. Yeah, you know, there it is. Yeah, I get nervous. Yeah, I do. Like, I freak out all the time. Even, like, still cold calling still gets a little butterfly, but you just do it. Yeah. I think it's the fact of, oh, people wouldn't know that, like, sometimes I don't want to make videos. I don't want to cold call. I don't want to go door knocking. I don't want to, you know, work six days a week. I don't want to go in the office on a Sunday. But you do it because you want the result. You want to win. You want to make... You see the benefits that what this little business has put into other people's lives that people have jobs that might not have. People are talking to other people. Like Ephraim got a, an email back from SBS to be on the um, Indigenous NITV. So like there's opportunities happening in our business that you know would never have happened if Blender wasn't who it is and we didn't have the people we have now. Mm-hmm.